Hello and welcome to the Last Looks podcast, a show where we catch up with talented hairstylists and makeup artists in the film and television industry. We'll pick their super creative brains and find out all the good stuff. Join me, your host, Jamie Lee, in finding out what's what in the hair and makeup departments around the world. Now it's time for Kit Corner, where we shine a spotlight on artists who've created products with the film and television industry in mind. Products designed by artists for artists. Tina, welcome to the Last Looks podcast. Thank you, Jamie Lee, for having me. I'm really excited that you're doing this. I think it's going to be fun. Um, so congratulations to you. Thank you. So today we're going to chat about skincare. Um, you are a professional makeup artist working in the film industry and have developed your own line called Abovo Skincare. Now let's start with the name Abovo. What does that mean? Abovo is Latin and it actually means the, the start or the beginning. And we have a line on our packaging that says, take your skin back to the beginning with Abovo Skincare. That's awesome. So what was the beginning? How did it all start for you? Well, I'm a makeup artist, as you said, and I get to see a lot of skin kind of up close and personal because that's the palette that I work on. And I kept seeing skin over and over that was dehydrated, really dehydrated. And at the time, there was a lot of products that were new on the market or newish on the market, and they were, you know, retinase and chemicals and all kinds of things. Mm. And, you know, maybe the dosages weren't figured out. I'm not exactly sure. And so when you go to put makeup on parched skin, then it creates all kinds of issues for your day. So I was actually on a job when I was shooting in a health food store, and I found a spot to hang out off camera, and uh, it was in the skincare aisle. And I spent about three days for hours and hours and hours. Um, just reading labels and then writing down ingredients and then going home and trying to figure out why these ingredients were in these products. It was before iPhones, so different process then. But I decided to contact some of these skincare companies and I ordered a few products. And although they were nice, they didn't quite you know, have the quality or the ease of use that actors are sort of used to. So with the help of one of these companies, I decided I was going to naively develop my own skincare line. And that took about, you know, three years of research and development and uh, finally ended up with the products we have now. That's awesome. And how do you find that Abovo works under makeup? Abovo works really great under makeup. And it also actually works really great for touch-ups because it's very emollient and it's very hydrating. So it's a great skin prep, but also it helps revive the skin after you've been shooting, you know, a few hours, things start to dry out a little bit and it helps brighten it up and freshen it up. And then of course, at the end of the day, you just wash everything off and put on some more Abovo. So I think it works pretty much throughout the whole day, whether it's men or women, I think it's a, it's a great uh, product for the skin. So it must be filled to the brim with amazing ingredients. So what are some of the ingredients that excite you? Well, that's a good question. You know, of course, I think they're all exciting, but <laughs> but they're chosen to benefit the skin. They're all chosen to heal or, or hydrate the skin and there's there's no fillers and there's no fragrance. So lots of healthy ingredients, healthy oils like 
sunflower oil, grapeseed oil, avocado oil, almond oil, emu oil, jojoba oil, shea butter, all natural, healthy ingredients. And like I said, there's no fragrance, but the scent comes from those ingredients and um, it smells terrific. And a lot of people tell me it smells like a spa which is a bonus. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I feel nourished just hearing all those ingredients. Oh, well, Um, if that (laughs) makes you feel nourished, imagine how a boba will make you feel when you put it on. (laughs) Exactly. Hey, why was a natural product and eco-packaging so important to you? Well, after seeing how the chemicals affect the skin, I knew I wanted to go that path. The eco-packaging felt like it needed to be part of the story or I felt like I was only telling half the message. It still remains really important to the Abovo um, skincare message. So yeah, that's worth it. So how can people get Abovo for themselves or for their kit? Well, everyone should have it in their kit. Let me start there. (laughs) The easiest way to get it is online through abovoskincare.com. A- B as in boy, O-V-O, skincare.com. And right now we're running mm-hmm. a special with a free hand sanitizer when you place an order. And that's a hand sanitizer made with the Abovo Serum, which is only mm-hmm. available for facialists and in spas. And so you get your hands clean, but you don't dry them all out. Yeah, free hand sanitizer. The other places you can get it are industry stores like Nigel's Beauty Emporium and mm-hmm. Friends Beauty. Those are two other options if you want to see it in person yay thank you so much tina thank you jamie lee Today on the show, we're speaking with makeup artist Morag Ross and hairstylist Kerry Warne, the personal makeup and hair team to Kate Blanchett on the show, Mrs. America. We find out what it took to transform Kate into historical figure Phyllis Schlafly. So let's get into it. Pictures up. Last looks. Rolling. And action. Hi guys, thanks for chatting with me about your work on Mrs. America. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. So let's start with how did you both become involved with the project? Morag, we'll start with you. Um, Well, I've worked with Kate on and off now for over 20 years. So, you know, basically she told me about the project and I was excited about it straight away. You know, being, um, being period makeup, it was nice to research and the idea of creating a real character um, Mm -hmm. was exciting. And also just the political content that's very pertinent to today. So um, it was very interesting. You've worked with Kate for so long. What was your first job with her? First job was, um, it was a film called The Man Who Cried. Um, Sally Potter Mm -hmm. directed it. And Kate had, I think she had just done the first Elizabeth and been nominated for her, her Oscar and... It was the first film she did after that, and uh, I was head of makeup department. But it was it was a nice again. It was a period film. It was set during World War Two, and there was a lot of makeup to do. And we just we got on well. And so she asked me to work with her after that, and we've we've done so off and on ever since. That's so cool. And what about you, Kerry? How did you become involved? Well, I, I got asked um, through. My agent got asked if I'd be interested in working on the project. And of course, I was very excited. I'd obviously never worked with Kate, but admired her from afar for many, many years and did not really know the subject. I didn't really, even though I, 
I was alive at the time. I don't. <laughs> I didn't remember anything about Phyllis Schlafly. Probably not because I wasn't living in America at the time. So you know, I may have seen it, but I was probably too busy going out to clubs and things to be sort of absolutely aware of it. <laughs> more aware of Gloria yeah. Steinem and the other girls, probably much more than than Phyllis Schlafly, to be honest. So uh, yeah. it was a, sort of a new learning curve for me. Yeah, I had I had to do a little bit of research and find. I'm like, who is this Phyllis Schlafly woman? And then when I read about her, I was like, whoa, okay, exactly. this is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but we had never worked together before, had we, Kerry? No. So that was a, another um, exciting prospect. <laughs> and had you met before, or no, no, no? no. So when when did you first meet? In the airport. Oh yeah. We did a little test. Remember? We did a little test. That's right. Yeah. I was trying to get to meet Morag beforehand, but she was too busy mm. on other projects and doing some other things. Of course. <laughs> like build, building houses or something. Um, oh, how dare she? <laughs> and anyway, timing didn't work out. So it was basically on the day of a sort of a little test we did with Bina Diagla, the, the costume designer. And we sort of was the first time of meeting, basically working with Kate, meeting Morag and and meeting Bina and we just jumped in didn't we yeah. yeah and where was that was that in London or was yes. that in Toronto already in London? London oh nice so you got a little bit of a we got a bit of a head start yeah oh which that's is good. Always good you know you kind of you think okay this is what I'm not gonna do <laughs> yeah exactly well it's important for me too because just to make sure wigs fitted color correction if, if needed and and sort of just fi- finer details before we get get to Toronto basically so it was, yeah because the wigs were being made in, in England. so Right. So as personals, what is your process when you when you were designing the look? Like where did you start? It's obviously a collaborative effort with costume designer and the, the two of you and, of course, Kate. So how what do you start with there? Well, I think, I think in this situation we were lucky that we were starting with a real person. So yeah. obviously, you know, it was getting research images together and and then trying to visualize how what do we bring out of bring to Kate to to create a character who's believable without being a caricature I think that's the key for doing a job like this and um, yeah so for, for makeup you know it was it was subtle things it was trying to get the actual makeup and uh, similar but to use Kate's features and Mm-hmm. You know, I had little uh, veneers made for Kate's teeth. Um, okay. Because Phyllis had quite particular, they're called butterfly front teeth because uh, they have a little curve and they slightly protrude. So uh, that helped change Kate quite a lot. I think it's the subtle things that are actually much more successful. I, I, certainly, and it's my taste, I like to, you know, rather than be heavy handed about trying to create a dead ringer. Yeah, so those little things that you don't notice yes, are going on. Yes, it's more subliminal, yes. That's awesome. So uh, with finding research, and excuse my ignorance just with time period, but were you coming across more black and white images than colour of the actual Phyllis Schlafly, or were you getting a good amount of colour reference? There was quite a lot of colour, wasn't it? Because it was the 70s. Yeah, uh, yeah, basically, and also it was, yeah, there was. And a lot of video reference, you know, mm. um, right. interviews and sort of still frames from those stills to get colour for hair and things like this. It was quite, there was quite a bit, actually. I would say 50-50. Yeah. Definitely. And she did a lot of um, TV shows. So, 
there was a yeah there were a lot of color images i think it's so much more helpful isn't it to actually see a moving mm. image of someone you're trying to copy yeah Moreg was subtle with the with the makeup, unlike me with the hair. I think. Oh, yes, but Kerry, you could not be one could not be subtle with a hairstyle like that. It's a bit of a sledgehammer look. <laughs> well, no, but you know, it's another interesting aspect of the character over a series. Is you know, how do you plot out the arc of the character with the plot lines of the the story, and you know, yeah. how does how do things change? You know, it went over ten years. Actually, Phyllis Schlafly yeah. didn't change that much in 10 years. No. Because we sat down with Kate and, you know, Kate's totally on the ball, isn't she, Kerry? So she and has a lot Absolutely of genius, ideas yeah. herself that she wants to see realised. And I think between the three of us, we plotted the exactly. little subtle changes and things, you know. I mean, all working with the same amount of intensity, I think. Yeah, because she started out, you know, much less sophisticated. Because it's not only reality, you are creating a television series and you have to create something that's visually captivating. And, you know, so we probably, we pushed some boundaries, didn't we, Kerry? Yes, we did. Um, For the sake of visual interest. And, you know, she becomes much more sophisticated and harder and kind of larger than life. Um, But I think especially, you know, the hair was incredible and that it just worked really well didn't it you know she started off much less perfectly put together uh, less polished in a yes. way and then became more polished okay. as, as she mm. became more public was uh, yes. our, basically our idea really yes. a little arc going on so even though it's wh- where does it finish like 1980 i think it was yeah 82 is it 80 yeah 80, 82. 82, 82, 82, 82, 82, 82. Yeah. and that kind of silhouette of hairstyle with her kind of sticks around well it is you do you that's find her that go-to of, you find a lot of people <laughs> that have a hairdo yeah. that works for them will hang on mm-hmm. to it and when you think about it when when the series starts she's playing a woman of 50 years old yeah so she would have had probably the hairdo for if not for 10 years if not a bit longer anyway you know? yeah. so you've got to think about sort of maybe early 60s you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, people live at, have the same hairdo to the dying day if it works for them because it's their, yeah. it's their shield and they're, and, and they're almost their, not I'm saying mask, but it's a, it gives them the confidence to, mm. to go on. Do you know what I mean? I think when she's in the in the public eye as well, yeah, it's, it's um, so nice, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's something that people will be like, "Oh, that's Phyllis. I know her. I know that hair." <laughs> like Margaret Thatcher. Yeah, not dissimilar. You know, it's it's almost looking indestructible too. Mm-hmm. You know that you could bit like get, her. <laughs> well, you like 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 it's a, like a sheet of armor. You know what mm. I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like a basically a helmet, isn't it? Can't penetrate that. Yeah. Yeah, and no one's going to get there. <laughs> Yeah. With that design process, uh, just with it being a miniseries rather than a film mm-hmm. and you have different directors coming in for different e- episodes, how how does that work in the initial designing period? I mean, was there any of those directors involved with that or was it more just with Kate and product like producers and things like that? How did that work, Morag? Well, it varied actually. It did vary from director to director. I think though that because the character is established in the first episode, yeah. um, the the ideas that new directors brought had to be quite um, specific and small because the character was already... It was more to do with narrative and things mm-hmm. that were happening. You know, if Phyllis looked less put together because 
you know, she was on her own. There's one scene when she's in her bedroom and Kerry, you know, she she, she has no makeup on. And so, um, Kerry, you can talk about, remember when she had the glasses on in the mirror? So things like right. that, obviously, the directors, you know, wanted to know what we were going to do. How, how you'd wear that hair to bed, so to speak. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You know, so, um, and how she would preserve it. So she still looked like Phyllis, but not, not with her helmet on so so to speak so there was things that we played into that day depending on you know what what the script was like whether she had it in pin curls going to bed or whether she had clips trying to preserve the wave or and also Kerry remember there was the main scene in the in the hairdressing salon yeah exactly yes earlier on yeah oh yeah with the rollers and the having her her highlights done yeah Mm, yeah nerve-wracking pulling hair through a uh Cap, Kerry? <laughs> I think someone, I had a little help from, from a friend. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie Lee. <laughs> Not something I thought I'd ever do, but... Um... They were beautiful. You did a marvellous job. <laughs> no one would ever know. Um, how many wigs did you have made for Kate? I had five in total. Oh, wow. That's helpful. <laughs> so, <laughs> so were they all the same or they varied in colour? and Four mm-hmm. were exactly the same. Um, varying degrees of highlights. Some had a, towards the end a little bit more frosting in, a little bit more highlights going on. Okay. Um, earlier ones was a little bit more somber and a little bit more subtle. And then there was a there's a flashback which is a still really now um, of her getting married. So it was sort of like late forties. So that was one one week, and in oh, sort okay. of in a, in a brown, sort of like a very um, like a normal brown, sort of like a light brown really and then as yeah. obviously you see Phyllis like a darker blonde with highlights and I had those four weeks like that plus um, two switches plus two small pastiche pieces that I used to create the look depending on degrees of height and volume that we were creating for that particular scene and also had a little synthetic wig when she which she wears as a size wig it's a little oh, shot okay. board, sort of over the should uh, meant to look over the counter, sort of little pull up yeah. job. And the little switches and stuff that you were using is that to just help with styling or the weight of the wig? Or I always find you know you're working with wigs if you if you get the wigs too long, and and you're mm-hmm. and you're doing sort of an updo, you're wrestling with the hair all day. Yeah, you know what I mean because. What, when you have to take it off and wash it every night, you've got hair that is like two foot long or something like this. It's, it's yeah. a lot of work. And also the real Phyllis, when you look at the reference, you could see she was wearing hair pieces. You know, it right. sort of got a little bit more volume as she got older. And that, mm-hmm. as we know, that's really not the way it works in reality. Um, yeah. So there were some sort of things going on. And to be able to create these shinyongs and, and to get the balance, you know, because – to get the correct balance and proportion for Kate's face as well, I just needed mm. to add more hair points. So it's helpful just to have these little bits to pop in. Not that I use them every yeah, day, yeah. but they were up my sleeve. So when you created the look, sort of set in, into a French twist and then mm-hmm. added chignons on top of those. So you get be able to get my French base and the twist right and then apply the little pieces on top. Um, to finish it. Okay, and she has those two little, the two little curls down the in front of her shape. ears. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is a really classic Phyllis look. I mean, she had them basically 
I think we only ever saw one picture without them. It wasn't at Morag. Mm, I think that's right, yeah. <laughs> and you cut those into the wig, so they were the... Uh... No, I used set little separate pieces to be able to get them oh, to did? an eye flatter to the face because ah. quite often, you know, when you set a wig to mm. get the look and I was set it in rollers, it sort of sits out, especially if they're short, it sits out at right angles, Yeah, you know, because you're lifting from the root. Even with a flat mm-hmm. pin curl, it was was still lifting a bit. So I decided to slide them up underneath the lace so they fit to the face. So it skimmed the cheekbones more than than sort of um, like antennas, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Tricky. In the makeup design, and more specifically the colour palette used, is that something you kind of set out in the beginning when you're doing all the testing or does it constantly evolve and you're kind of working it out as, as the shoot goes along? Um, well, I was in a similar situation to Kerry, really, because she was very stuck in her ways and she always wore this frosted blue eyeshadow, as far as mm-hmm. we can see, I mean, all, for, for all those years. Um, yeah. But what we decided to do collaboratively was when she was doing the television appearances, she wanted to have thicker makeup and mm-hmm. I just pushed it so that in the same way of um, talking about looking more polished, she becomes more sophisticated looking, even though it was still the blue eyeshadow. Yeah. You know, because Kate is such a striking woman anyway. She Mm -hmm. does look really strong and polished and put together by the end. Um, Yeah. So the, the actual palette of the makeup was decided from the beginning, but it was just punched up for certain scenes and it pulled together you know as as the series progressed but then and again it was nice to to have those dips when she wasn't wearing any makeup when she was at home when you saw the private phyllis as opposed to mm-hmm. the public persona it's always yeah. very nice again when she cut she lost that mask really and that layer of protection it, it, it does allow to you, you feel that you're seeing more into the the real person. It's in the first episode where she's doing the swimsuit. Oh, the beauty pageant. Kind of yeah. modelling. Mm. Yeah, it was that beauty pageant. Yeah. And her eye makeup was quite strong yeah. for that too, wasn't it? Um, well, her whole makeup was, I think I really decided to go for it. We could have gone two ways for that scene, actually. Um, mm-hmm. Because it was a beauty pageant, Kerry and I, we saw the costume, we discussed it. Kate actually did say on the day, I seem to remember, she said, well, I think Phyllis would look like she's done her own makeup for this. <laughs> and I remember thinking, mm, that's not going to happen. Because I'm just... <laughs> you never want to hear that, do no. you? <laughs> I suppose you might do, I don't know if it's a comedy, um, yeah. but I just thought it was an opportunity. Again, as a television program, it's it's a visual mm-hmm. opportunity. You want to do something that really has got a little bit of a wow factor. So, yeah. you know, that Carrie and I just, just talked about it and we said, she's got to look amazing, you know. It was absolutely beautiful. I mean, extraordinary. Uh, but also the hair, yeah. you know, so it was just, it was much more the epitome of, I said you know, you're going to look as if you've been to like the best department store in town and somebody's done your mm-hmm. makeup, which actually I remember my mother used to do in the 70s, albeit in Glasgow. But I remember yeah. when she had to go to a really big once a year event that she wore an ankle length evening gown to. Um, she would go to, I can't remember the name of the big store in Glasgow at the time, but anyway, that's where she would go and she would have her makeup done. 
So that was my ground of you know, reality um, for pushing the boat out for that scene, really. Absolutely. And I think that's, I mean, probably part of who Phyllis was to make that appearance, to have herself put together for to be on show. Oh, yes. I don't think she would have gone out there if she thought she was going to be the laughing stock. But also it was a red herring too, wasn't it? Basically ah, yes, throw... exactly. That's a good point, uh, Kerry. And then, you know, just to give it sort of like, what is going on here? You know what I mean? Is she, mm-hmm. is she entering a beauty contest? You know? Yes, but you're absolutely right, Kerry, because it opens with that. And yes. it's mm. called Mrs. America. You see a beauty pageant mm-hmm. and Kate looking very, very glamorous. Like a beauty, as, yes. exactly. yeah. And you don't know at all that it's actually going to be about the political situation in the seven, early 70s in the States and the ramifications of the Equal Rights Amendment push. Yeah, it's a great way to start it, mm. actually. Those bright lights on stage, looking all glamorous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, it just it sort of draws people in, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. People might just have, you know, thought, oh, God, this might be deathly dull if they, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Morag, with Kate's skincare and prep routine, is, is it different for something like this as opposed to her character from Thor Ragnarok? Like, just with those makeups being so different, is there a different approach with skincare and prep? Um, I don't, actually, I don't think so. I think the basis of any makeup is really good skincare and skin prep. The better your skin is, the less makeup you're going to have to put on top of it. And um, so it's, it's a big part of work as a makeup artist. I, I take it really seriously. And, and I really enjoy looking after somebody's skin in, in, um, before actually putting any makeup on it. Before starting, yes, I do a, I do a facial and like a little mini facial in the morning. Just we had very very early starts, and you know it just wakes up the skin, it flushes you know flushes out the toxins, gets rid of puffiness, and um, preps the skin for a very long day. Yeah, was Kate working most days throughout that shoot? Okay. She worked a lot, and she we had we had some moments when she she didn't work, but she's also quite busy. She had other commitments now and again, so it was it was quite a a full on schedule for five months, wasn't it, Kerry? Yes, yeah, pretty full on. You know, there's block blocks of time where she had to go away and do press and things like this for some other projects, but you know, it was pretty yeah. full on when she was there. But it's not like her skin is really getting a, a break, is it? I mean, it, so you really have to be on top of that, I, I guess, Morag, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. You have to very, yeah. You have to look. You have to really good cleansing, really good exfoliation, and little mini facials. I mean, she looks every day. stunning. So whatever you're yeah. doing is <laughs> it's working. <laughs> it's working absolutely. <laughs> um, so shooting in Toronto. How did you find that? I saw Niagara Falls after I wrapped. Um, the thing is, I think because of the long hours, I was using yeah. the days off to rest, basically, you know, or go in and prep my wigs and things, uh, you know, because there was, was constantly work to do on it, you know, sort of at the end of the day and and each even get everything ready for the next day's shoot and things like this. So uh, I'm pretty pedantic about those those things. I don't like to walk in and sort of be flummoxed. You know, um, yeah. if things are not ready. You know, I, I like to sort of have all my soldiers lined up, so to speak, yeah. to play with. Absolutely. I find it quite difficult to relax into um, being in a new city and running around the town. I just, I, I sort of stay in work mode at the weekend. 
and I just I rest because yeah the, the hours are so brutal sometimes but um, yeah I just like to be quiet at the weekend have a nice dinner and you know relax yeah I was going to ask what your tricks like what your tricks are for when you do work away from home for extended periods because I mean everyone has their own little things just that they do to try and keep them happy away from home I guess go to lovely restaurants we went to some lovely restaurants <laughs> mm-hmm. eating well eating well exactly. actually I, I cooked a lot I, I I decided to I can't believe it now well no actually I can I decided to go on a cleanse and I, I think it gave me um, it gave me a, another sense of uh, order. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was quite a strict cleanse, but I just felt that it gave me a lot of focus. I didn't drink, and um, I ate very good food. And I, every weekend, I would just spend the weekend cooking. I'd go and shop, and I would cook my own food for the following week. And that was actually how I got through it. Yeah, I think it's having that like home type routine when you're not at home. And you feel that it's something that is yours because really on a on a film set you're giving everything to the film set. Yeah. Don't you think, Kerry? Yes, exactly. It's you you put blinkers on almost. I, I yeah. do, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So this is what we're here, this is what we're gonna do and do the best of your ability, I think, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, um, I think I do the same thing when I'm working. I'm working, and yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> that's kind of it. And also, because we all know we could be asked at, at any moment to do anything, like oh, we're going to work for another. You know, we have to get this. We're going to work for another couple of hours tonight, even if it's already mm-hmm. midnight, or you know, yeah. we've had to change the schedule because somebody's hasn't their plane hasn't arrived, or they're not feeling well. Available or whatever, yes, yeah. um, so it's. It's constantly changing and you just have to be totally amenable and adaptable, don't you? How long was the shoot? It was five months. Months. (laughs) (laughs) Months, yeah, five months. Okay, so, yeah, it's a long time to be away from home. Very long, yeah. And I I came up for just two weeks to help out towards the start of that shoot and the hours that I did in just those two weeks, I left thinking – surely these guys can't keep up with these hours they're insane and it sounds like you did yeah (laughs) which is terrifying you must have been absolutely exhausted by the end of it because it was really like they were some long days particularly for Kerry because you know Kerry you were had weeks to dress and to undress clean and dress yes before anybody came in because I could only really do the hairdo on Kate's head for balance right you know and also this has see how she was feeling for that day for the scene whether it should be a little bit more downplayed or whether you know where we're, where we're going with it so basically it took quite a while to do about an hour and a half mm-hmm. um but i think it's the, the only way i could do it because i think to for the correct balance and things i didn't want it to look like it'd been taken off a block and put on her head yeah even though it was just, it was a helmet sort of thing, I needed to look a little bit more organically done than than, than yeah. shop bought, so to speak. And as you say, just being able to have that option of adjusting or changing anything on that morning, depending on what you're shooting, just so it's not set in concrete before it even goes on Kate's head. Yeah, really, and and to also get a, a X amount of softness around the face, you know. So it's, you know what I mean. To, you, you can't do that on the block. I can, I can never do it anyway. You can get my basic groundwork done, but you know yeah. it's it, it's like fine tuning. It's I'm sure it's it's the same. I'm sure with makeup, 
you mm. know what I mean? I was going to ask Morag, as well as the teeth, if we can just talk about those a little bit more, yeah. and was there anything else that um, little tricks or anything that you used that we're not seeing or noticing in her transformation? Um, well, the teeth, yeah, the teeth were, um, they were made by Fangs Effects in England. So we tried them out for the first time at the test we mentioned, you know, when um, in London before we left for Toronto. So we made sure that they fit properly. And I asked for two different styles just so that we could see which worked better. And we okay. established that before we left. And then so obviously... Is it just the top, top just teeth? The top, or? Yeah, the top front teeth, mm-hmm. yeah. I think, yeah, for, you know, I suppose the key features that jump out when you look at Village Schlafly would... Well, the teeth are more subtle, but that's what jumps out to me as a makeup artist. But it would be her brows because she did um, she did actually colour in her own brows, but they were very thick and quite dark, very different to Kate's. Mm-hmm. So, right. um, and I think brows are amazing for creating a look anyway. You know, every decade has different brows, every fashion look. They think about different brow shapes or thicknesses. So, and they also frame the eyes in different ways. So, the brows were completely different to Kate's own, and I think that helped a lot with um, just creating the Phyllis Schlafly look. Is that easier to do if, like, because Phyllis's were darker and thicker? I mean, if it was the other way around, it would be a lot trickier, wouldn't it? If you're trying to make them thinner and yeah, I think it really it, de- it depends. You know, it totally depends on the the brows that you're working with because Kate's brows mm-hmm. are quite neutral and they're not particularly thick. They're not particularly thin. You can actually work with them. That's so a nice um, base to yeah, start it's with. It's a great base to start. It's, it's a bit like if you want to do a film with um, aging and youthening. If somebody's middle aged, it's much easier because mm-hmm. you can you know you can go either way. Go either way. It's just like with hair. If someone has a soft, natural wave, it's easy to go straight. It's easy to curl mm. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I, de- I definitely think the teeth and the brows. And then it was the key colours, you know. It was choosing mm-hmm. that, um, the frosted peachy lipstick and the and the blue eyeshadow, really. Oh, for frosty frost. <laughs> Which, actually, I, I became very fond of using them every day. Yeah. <laughs> When I've gone into jobs and I'm recreating something from history and there'll be one look that the director's like, we've got to, you know, at some point we've got to do this. And I'm like, oh, that's my least favorite. And then I end up doing it and growing to Mm. really like it. And it's just like, oh, no, I actually really love this. (laughs) But I I find that as well. I think sometimes it's like therapy. You get your head, mm. you get your head in. Once you've nailed it, you think, "Hmm, it's not so mm. bad after all." Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It may possibly be the the fear of of looking at it going, yeah. "Oh, not the sure anxiety about that." Rather like, than the yeah, exactly. Thing. But, then, but then there's also the thing at the very end when you just think, "Oh, it's really great. I can burn these now." <laughs> <laughs> the sacrificial burning at the end. Yeah. <laughs> you mean Kate didn't want to take home her frosty peach lipstick to wear around? The no, she didn't want to take the teeth. <laughs> a little goodie bag. <laughs> um, was it was it Kate's idea to wear the teeth? Like, is she is she happy to wear? It wasn't her idea. Um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, I've used te- um, teeth for Kate in lots of productions, mm-hmm. and I I find them enormously helpful because I think they they change the set of your mouth. 
they completely change just your whole the dynamics of your face you know you can do masses with um changing teeth it's nice that she leans into it yeah I, i think that's you know she's fantastic that way she's not remotely interested in looking like Kate Blanchett at home Mm-hmm. You know, she wants to look like Phyllis Schlafly. So yeah. it's great for us. But it also gives her the period thing as well, I think, you know, mm. with, the, with the teeth. You know, because they're less, like, contemporary-looking mouths, you know? Yeah. In what way? People having their teeth done. Yeah, having them fixed all Just the time. Everyone's got perfect yeah. teeth. You know, yeah. right? <laughs> that perfect smile. Especially in, uh, people in um, the public eye. You know, most of them have, would have had their teeth done if they haven't. I've been born with perfect gnashes, mm. whereas, you know, it was still the 70s and she was already 50, so she obviously was quite happy with the teeth she had. I think when we were watching, we saw when she said she had to take out her um, contacts mm. and m- my husband was just like, they have contacts in the 70s. Yes, they did. <laughs> like, we just had no idea, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had no but idea. There were, I was there were like, harder oh. contacts. I think there were glass, weren't they? And smaller. They were smaller as well, weren't they? Yeah. Um, so if it's finishing up in 1982 and you start around 1970. 72, did, I think we started. 72. Yeah. Did, did you do any ageing of any kind with makeup or with hair? Did she did she have any little greys pop through in the middle of those um, frostings? or? As far as hair-wise, uh, no. It yeah. just got bigger. And a little bit more frosting in the front around the hairline, so to speak. It didn't add grey, but it got bigger, which is sort of like what I think ladies of that ilk sort of tend to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, you find those women that are power dressing. You know, I want to go back to Thatcher again, but, you know, it gets a little bit more helmet-like, so to speak, which I think, which I think is ageing. You know, right, yeah. More helmet-like, you know what I mean? Because it's harder on the... Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, the, is it the first episode that her mum comes in and she's had her hair mm. done and she doesn't like it? Mm. And it's yeah. just like, oh, no, she's obviously stuck in a way of liking her hair and they've tried to change it and it's not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's not liking it. No, um, not. What about you, Morag, with, with age? Well, because she became much more of a public person, so she actually did look more polished and more done as she got older. And she didn't mm-hmm. change her look. What I hope has been successful is that I worked really closely with the the directors of photography so mm-hmm. and especially for the first half of the series we aim to light Kate as well as possible to make her look younger okay. and then for the second half of the series the lighting is a bit harsher okay as is the makeup sometimes so we felt that was enough of um you can see the change in her yeah um because it was only 10 years and... Yeah, so it just keeps it nice and subtle. It, it actually really works quite well, yeah. yeah. It's not distraction, you time passing. Oh, that's awesome. Discussing the looks and creating the looks, to me, is the most exciting part anyway. Yeah. You know? Well, it helps when you have a, a great team that you're working with when you're dealing with hours like that, I think. Well, it was a fabulous experience working with Morag and... And a great honour to be working with Kate and both of them, actually. And um, I'd love to have the chance to do it again one day. Likewise, yes. Yeah, we, we did have a great time together. No, I really enjoyed it. You know, I mean, apart from the, the hours and things like this, fantastic. Yeah, I think also, though, what's really interesting is when you're working as a personal, 
Mm. Um, it's quite fantastic to see the finished series because quite often there are, there's a lot of stuff being shot that your artist isn't in. And yeah. when you see it all coming together, there's a huge sense of satisfaction and and absolutely teamwork with the rest of the makeup and hair department and the rest of the ca- well the rest of the cast and crew really um yeah it's amazing to see all that coming together because i guess you guys were really in the uh, well in the phyllis schlafly camp mm. weren't you you were, yeah, we were doing too much with the um feminist and libbers and mm. all that kind of team Correct. So to see it all come together, and they the the silhouette of those two groups of people is quite different. I love it. Yeah, it works very well um, to tell the story, doesn't it? Absolutely. I think the hair and makeup department did a marvel, incredible mm. job, actually. Yeah. You know, it was great pleasure to work with everybody. Yeah, it looks like there's a a lot of speaking roles throughout the yeah. series, so it's a lot of people coming in, and a lot of historical figures to. Mm-hmm. to kind of match mm-hmm. which is a task yeah. within itself yeah it's incredible and finally is there a tool or product that you guys just can't live without having in your kit let's start with you Kerry my Mason Pearson brush I would the love actually for the Mason Pearson brush. if they go out of business I'd retire I think <laughs> you have to go out of business and then lose your brush <laughs> Exactly. Maybe they're that they're out of business. I just haven't realised. Uh, that's still going strong. No, um, I love my Mason Pierce, and I wouldn't be able to do a job without it. My natural bristle brush, magic. Um, I don't know what mine would be actually. I, I think probably something like tweezers. Mm-hmm. Um, just for making the skin really, you know, cleaning up around the the brows, obviously. But tweezers are very handy for. Many things for picking oh, things up, things. for applying lashes, for the odd chin hair, perhaps. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Twe- tweezers are quite amazing. Certainly on a desert island, that's what I'd want. <laughs> really? God, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, think of all the splinters and everything you'd be getting. You'd be getting splinters. You could actually, you could pluck your legs. You know, if you'd hear your legs, you'd have all the time in the world. A bit like now. While we're in lockdown. <laughs> lockdown. <laughs> what are you going to do, Kerry, with your Mason Pearson on a desert island, for goodness sakes? Come on. <laughs> I'm going to have to take a couple of weeks to play with, I think, to go on a desert island because I'm going to do much with my own. Um, <laughs> you could become one of those amazing sand artists. You know, you could use your brush, brush in brush. the sand. Yeah. <laughs> or beat off the foe trying to get onto my desert island. <laughs> You're going to have to grow your locks so you've got something well, to brush. Yes. <laughs> you use it for your beard, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I imagine the Mason Pearson came in handy for brushing out the um, sets that you're doing. And the hairspray Kate's and the backcombing, yeah. Um, well, amazing. yeah. Like, how did the wigs hold up after all that? Really, really fantastic. They were made by Peter Owen in Bristol. Beautiful. And they were absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, they really actually held up incredibly, incredibly well. Well, it was a, basically a roadmap, the hair, how, how I actually did the hair. You know, mm-hmm. I would do it in, in about five, six sections. It's the only way I could figure out how to do it because of trying to recreate the look to get the balance and the height and things like this. So basically what I would do is I'd set it and, and I'd put it in the oven, bake it, brush it through, back comb my hairline and then leave the rest absolutely natural um mm-hmm. 
using setting setting lotions and things like this around the hairline to get that crispness. So I found that when I tried to do it without the lotions in, I wasn't getting enough period. It was looking too soft. Right. I I thought almost when you look at Phyllis, you almost can smell the hairspray. Right. And yeah. it had to look, had that sort of crunch to it, I think. I was just going to ask if you have a favourite um, setting lotion to use on the wigs. Well, I, I never, for years I haven't used setting lotion. So, I mean, mm. you know, I mean, it's one of those things. I had to scrounge around and sort of <laughs> I tried a few, but I finished up using Technoply. Yeah, that's my favourite. You know, because it sort of gave me exactly what I needed. You know, it gave me that yeah. sort of sort of Christmas it's almost you feel like the hair's going to snap if you brush it sort of yeah. look <laughs> so basically teasing the front uh, before I before I even put the wig on well it was still on the block because I find you, you know back combing a wig on someone's head it doesn't you can't really do it you basically take the wig off again you know you you lift your yeah. lace and whatever yes so and then dress the hair finishing off by using a small pastiche piece on the top to give me more height and like mm-hmm. I said before, the switches at the back to, to finish it off. But it was sort of, it was like I, I called it my roadmap, you know. Your roadmap, yeah. I normally call it um, my puzzle, with my puzzle pieces that I put together <laughs> and I have to memorise it. Well, exactly. <laughs> I know I'm not doing hair, but I call mine a recipe. And I, I have a sticker yeah. beside on the mirror. And I have to do the makeup in, in the same way every day. And I have in the same order. In the same order. It's a, I, yeah. I find it, it's a bit like baking a cake. And if it, there's an interruption, I often get myself in a pickle because I'll forget something. And that's why I have the mm-hmm. sticker on the mirror. I have done that as well, mm-hmm. especially when doing makeup and hair. And it's just like you have so many you things so to many think things about. You're like, remember, don't you? get it in the right order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be doing that before I do that because yeah. then, ah. I, I have to have all my things laid out the same, in, you know, so I know exactly where they are to be able to get them. Where to find them, I mean? yeah. Well, Morag actually found a little trolley, which was Morag's <laughs> yeah, idea. Trolley, little trolley So I finished yeah. So we became trolley dollies. I finished up having two of them. I couldn't get enough, <laughs> <laughs> which I love because it reminded me of the salon days, you know, when I was yeah. a kid, sort of walking around with my, my tray of rollers and walking around with my tray of pins and sort of that they're all there next to me when I, wherever I move. So it was like perfect in a way. That's so helpful. I mean, were you guys working on Kate in the same chair? No, no. No. We had had our own little chairs. Carrie, you needed a lot of space, didn't you, because of all the wigs and things. I'm not as slim as Morag, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) No, not with trolleys attached, do you know? (laughs) One at each hip. (laughs) I had a trolley too, Jamie. (laughs) But um, no, because I had all my wigs all blocked and set and all my girls lined up so to speak so I took up quite okay. a bit of space but you each had your your time with Kate separately absolutely she's incredibly generous with her time oh that's nice you know um she didn't rush us at all really did she more no no she's got the patience of a saint just respectful of what you guys need to get done yeah absolutely, that's great yeah. to get to where she needs to be and uh, that was a great pleasure yeah. And not that we sort of shirked around or, or dawdled or anything like this, but it was mm-hmm. sort of basically, you know, I certainly needed the time, you know. Yeah. I think it's the most time I've ever taken to do a hairdo in my life. But it was worth it. <laughs> Maybe I'm just getting old and slow, but, you know. <laughs> well, it is a hairdo. I mean, come on. <laughs> Kate did say to me, she said, when I first met her, she said, this is a challenge for you. <laughs> She was correct. It's a good thing we like challenges, huh? (laughs) Exactly. 
<laughs> what was the most challenging thing on the shoot for you guys, Morag? I think the most challenging thing was probably, it was probably the hours, to be honest. One, yeah. one, once we had our look down, we, we knew what we were in for every day. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you feel, Kerry. I suppose there were times when we went into a, a new phase um, towards the end when she she's giving the speech at the big rally and she wanted to look really quite, you know, larger than life. And mm-hmm. um, so I suppose those days we went in with a certain amount of trepidation because we were having to push the envelope and we didn't all we, we didn't all test for all of those, did we, Kerry? No, we only really did a sort of minimal test, really. We did the basic things, yeah. didn't we? And then worked around it as the series went on. Did you get all episodes at once, like to read? Or no? were they coming as you were shooting? They were coming as we were shooting. Yeah, and, and changing quite a lot, yeah. Yeah. I haven't done a lot of miniseries or TV, so that kind of scares me. I love knowing, like with a film, you get you get the script and then, you know, they might change things here and there, but at least you get the, the idea of what is going on when you start shooting. But with TV shows, hearing that these episodes come in while you're working, it's just like mm. you're so busy already with what you're doing and then you have to think about like, oh, what? This is happening in the next episode? Oh, okay. Mm, exactly. <laughs> I feel sorry for the actors working like that, you know, getting changes so quickly and things like this overnight and, you know, going into a big scenes and things like this. It must be tough for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Tricky. Anyway. Awesome. Um, okay, guys, thank you so much for your time and sharing your stories. Thank you. Um, I loved catching up with you both. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. Same here. And I, I wish you could come and help me again one day, Jamie Lee. Oh, you know I'm always up to help you, Kerry. <laughs> There's too much laughing that goes on for me not to want to come and help. <laughs> If you would like to check out Morag and Kerry's handiwork on Mrs. America, you can view it now on Hulu. For links to keep up with more of Morag and Kerry's work, go to our Instagram at The Last Looks Podcast or in our episode notes at www.thelastlookspodcast.com. The Last Looks Podcast would like to thank Brett Stanley and Sabrina Castro, the song Fun Time by DJ Quads. Thanks for listening. Until next time. That's a wrap, people.